Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to the triumphant return of the cheapest meal presented by Deep Fried Draft. My name is Brian Bosarge. Uh, it's been a few months since we've had a podcast, but we're back in peak draft season now. Um, Senior Bowl week starting this week. Probably going to have multiple podcasts this week, if we're going to be honest. So get ready for a lot of hearing my voice here. Uh, but there is another all-star game happening today, the Shrine Game, the East-West Shrine Game, the 94th edition of that game in Central Florida down there at Tropicana Field in St. Pete. And we got a man on the line today who's been down there all week. He is the oldest friend of the podcast, my first guest, and we're going to bring you back now, Pigskin Paul Gilmet of the Great Blue North Report. Paul, how's it going down there this morning? Well, just fine. Just fine. No rain. No rain yet. A little bit cool. That's nice. So getting ready about an hour and a half. I'll start driving over to St. Pete to the Trop. Well, rain it really isn't an issue for you. You're inside for the game. So yeah, that's uh, correct. Well, and we were inside <laughs> for all the practices, which of course ensures good weather. <laughs> well, you know that's the first thing uh, I want to talk to you about today because this is the first year that they've had all the practices inside uh, Tropicana Field, and they used to have it at high school stadiums around Tampa and such, from what I've been told. So how did you like the new practice setup this year? Um, I liked it a lot. Even though it is Central Florida, and at this time of year we don't get too many extreme weather changes, there have been years when we were at those high school fields where we'd be out there in the morning, and by the time practice was over, it was 80 degrees, and we're peeling off layers. Go to lunch, and two hours later, come back for the afternoon practice, and a cold front comes through, and it rains, and it gets cold. and So it's nice, controlled environment. Um, it looked a little shaky at first uh, because one of the advantages, as I've always told you guys when I show up in Mopia, one of the advantages to the Shrine Game for the media is that we have always been able to access the practices right down on the field uh, at our own physical peril, of course, so you better be paying attention to what's going on. Um, And it looked at first as if uh, the security folks had been told not to let the media out on the field this year, Uh, but about 10 minutes later we got that cleared up and we were out there. So it it was good. The... It also expedited the practices being on time because the trop is closer to the hotel resort that the players stay at. So they just, and they, they, it appears we have lost uh pigskin Paul in the middle of this here. Um, as he was talking about the conditions at Tropicana Field, where uh, 
hopefully we'll get him back on in just a second. But yes, uh, so that is new this year. Right. And he's back. Hi, did we go bye-bye? Which one of us? <laughs> uh, appears that, that bad you, weather, Brian. Appears it dropped you, but anyway, so... So yeah, we were talking about the uh, the setup there. The players were closer. Yeah, the the players were closer, and we avoided any swings in the weather from hot morning to rain in the afternoon. Um, and it it was good. It was good. I was wondering how it would work out, but I think the timing was better. Now all we got to get them to do, but I don't think it's going to happen, is they take a two-and-a-half-hour break between the morning practice and the afternoon practice. Um, and, of course, that leaves the media with, okay, since we're not going to go drink our lunch, what are we going to do? Right. So uh, let's get down to what happened at the practices this week, and we'll have to start with the quarterbacks there, uh, Paul, because, well, without a quarterback, you ain't got much of a team, do you? So uh, let's talk about no. the quarterbacks, and but first we're gonna we're gonna talk about Easton Stick because he was the big name that everybody <laughs> talked about. Everybody was upset when he wasn't in Mobile, but I've heard that he wasn't exactly uh, Aaron Rodgers out there at the uh, at the practice field this week, Paul. No, he wasn't. He was not. Uh, I think he I think he's more of a uh, mini me Tim Tebow. To be honest with you, he runs runs better than he throws. Um, whether or not he has, I think he has growth potential, not physically, but as far as a quarterback is concerned. The question is, how much? To be honest with you, Brian, and I don't think this will surprise many people, the good news was he came in at a bit over six foot one. And there had been speculation, I don't know how this got going, that he was going to come in at 5'11 or so. Uh, not happening. And he did weigh under 220. He has a decent arm. He has good wheels. But mentally, and I'm not saying he can't handle it, but right now, mentally, he's, he's in high school and he belongs back in junior high school. Uh, the question will be, can he refine and develop, and where would he do so? Would he go to Canada, or would he go more likely to the American Alliance, let's say, and get in with some ex-NFLers? But, no, I don't see him as a factor at all, and I do not see him being drafted. Another quarterback that uh, a lot of people thought well, uh, was Brett Rippon from Boise State. How did he look out there this week? He looked really good at times, but he was terribly inconsistent. And there were other times where he didn't look much better than Stick. I think the, I think the biggest issue with Rippon is that he's, he's got an average arm strength. Uh, and sometimes you can get away with that in the NFL probably as a backup. Uh, he might he might be the latest version of Kellen Moore coming out of Boise State. Might be a career backup, and then if he wants to go into coaching, uh, but he he just he doesn't have the pizzazz on all his throws. His accuracy is inconsistent, and as I said, I think 
the, the system he's coming out of must have been significantly unsophisticated compared to what the NFL is going to require. I think he's if – I, if I needed a quarterback, if I had 10 or more draft picks in the upcoming draft, I might take a seventh-round flyer on him. But other than that, I think he too may end up being seventh round or undrafted. He'll be in a camp. He's going to have to go someplace to hone his skills, though. So the two top quarterback prospects in the game, you've now said are seventh round or priority free agents. Is there anybody here quarterback-wise that is higher than a seventh round draft pick, Paul? (laughs) I think there may be. Um, and obviously it will depend greatly on the combine, but if he can show a little bit in today's game, I think perhaps Taylor Cornelius from Oklahoma State could get himself invited to the combine, and he's big enough at six six five and a half and uh, right around 230 with a strong enough arm that he looks like he's got the potential and he's got the body. He, of course, sat for three seasons behind Mason Rudolph, who's now the heir apparent to Ben, Big Ben in, in Pittsburgh. I think a good a combine invite and a good performance there could get him a late-round draft pick. I think the best long-term, the two best long-term prospects and I'm going to say one of them gets drafted, would be Jordan Teamu, and I know you're familiar with him and like him a bit, out of mm-hmm. Ole Miss, is a, is a nice he's – a, he's, a, he's a toned-down version of Marcus Mariota, size-wise, arm-wise, but he's got some skills. He's big enough to play in the NFL. He appears to be bright enough to play in the NFL. He, I think, will get a call round six, round seven. And believe it or not, and I think you'll believe this, the most effective quarterback this week, all around, we'll see what he does this afternoon because he's got a lot of work to do to get drafted. But Marcus McMarion of Fresno State mm-hmm. was the most polished the most versatile now there's a caveat here he had his favorite receiver Keyshawn <laughs> Johnson there with him and so let me let me say that he threw an awful lot of balls to Keyshawn um, but he really did he he was mobile he he threw some deep balls reasonably well he, he threw the short passes even better. He can roll. He can extend the play. Um, he might really have a chance if he could put on a few, a few pounds. He's 6'2", 205, basically. If he could put on another 10 pounds and get a quarterback whisperer in his, in his ear, Brian, he might, he might end up being a career journeyman backup quarterback in the NFL someday. So, Drafted. I think Teamu is the most likely of the quarterbacks to actually be drafted in April. Right, right. 
you you touched briefly on Keyshawn Johnson. He was probably the guy I heard the most buzz about uh, this week. Uh, talk to me about Keyshawn Johnson, the wide receiver well, for Fresno State. Yes, yes, the, the the current wide receiver, not not the old man Keyshawn <laughs> from Southern Cal. Um, he's you know he has, as the saying goes, you always look for this at at this stage of the game. He has good size. He's six foot one and an eighth, two hundred and five pounds. Nine and a half inch hands, and and they look like it. He made one outstanding catch down the sideline with a man in coverage on him, and and it was it was his college quarterback throwing to him. And McMarion, I'll give him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it was on purpose. It was an outside back shoulder kind of throw. And at full speed, Keyshawn stuck one right hand up there and took the ball in. The defender fell, and he was off to the races. He showed he showed the ability to go over the middle. I think he gets what he's doing out there. Hard to, hard to judge sometimes, but he seems to know what's going on. I think, from what I saw, if a few guys – kind of fall through the cracks in the next three months or so. I think Keyshawn Johnson has a possibility to crack day two of the draft, top 100 picks. I have no problem seeing that um, myself either at this point, especially after the big week he's had here. Any other uh, offensive skill guys caught your eye this week? I got a one wide receiver I want to talk about if you don't. Okay. Well, I'd be glad to talk about him, but I'm, I'm going to call this a skill position. I think I've, I've been very fascinated throughout the 2018 college football season. I probably, whether by choice or by accident, I probably watched six or seven, counting bowl games, I watched seven LSU games. And I continue to be based on what he did at the shrine practices see what he does today I continue to be impressed of LSU he can do it all he probably had the best catch of the entire practice session at least that I saw Uh, Jeff Risden and I a living legend were standing and chatting at Tuesday's practice and Brosette flared out of the backfield, came down the left sideline. He was about 20 to 25 yards downfield and the ball, the throw was lofted directly over his head without breaking stride. He caught that ball, tucked it in and was in the end zone with the defenders trying to catch up to him. He runs hard between the tackles. He blocks, I think, for my money, a skill-slash-semi-skill position player. I think Brosette was the guy I would most want to add to my roster based on what I've seen again this week. See, it's, it's, it's good to hear you say that about an LSU running back because they generally come out early, so you don't see them in an all-star setting. But that's been a big knock on them coming out. Like, that was a knock on Fournette. That was a knock on uh, 
uh, Darius Geis was they never really yep. show off their ability out of the backfield catching the football. Mm-hmm. So you tell me you see Nick Brosette in this catching that that's good to hear. There's another wide receiver I want to talk about because I saw him making okay. some plays. Uh, because uh, Emory Hunt, football game plan, follow him on YouTube and Twitter and all that good stuff because he's great. Uh, but he, uh, some of the videos he posted this week, Jesper Horstead, the wide receiver from Princeton. This guy looks like he can play. It was interesting, Brian, and I know this won't surprise you because we see this every year. It gets talked about every year. The small school guys, when we're trying to gauge them, and there were several in in the mix here at the Shrine practices. He Jesper looked lost the first day of practice. He really did. In fact, several people commented, and once they did, I paid attention. And sure enough, Jesper, whether he was hyperventilating or, as most of us felt, just not used to the pace of play, of Division One level, Jesper was really caught out of breath multiple times after fighting through linebacker traffic and then trying to run his pattern. It got, as you would hope in a case like this with a smaller school guy, he got better, better, and better. We basically had, don't let anybody lie to you, we had three padded practices down here, just like, just like the Senior Bowl does. Okay, Thursday is special teams. A lot of guys don't wear pads, and this morning was or yesterday was a, was a walkthrough. So it's not like we get five real practices compared to three at the Senior Bowl. Not true, but yes, Jesper came on. Most of the talk that I participated in said that. His best bet might be he's 220 right now. He's a good 6'4". Put on 10, 15 pounds, turn him into an H-back, a, you know, a, a, a full-back H-back, not in-line tight end, and he might be a good fit in the NFL and in today's offenses. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to get drafted highly. I'm not sure he's going to get drafted, but it'll be one of those cases, Brian, if he does not get drafted and assuming he has a decent workout someplace and he might get invited to the combine because there will be so many questions about his ability and his game. He may be a very popular guy on Saturday night at the 2019 NFL draft when the picks are done and the teams are calling anybody and everybody to sign to fill out their training camp rosters. He's got some tools. Another guy, perhaps, Ryan, that is exactly what this American Alliance of Football is for. Beef him up a little bit. Right. Start teaching him how to play that H-back spot and get him a, a season in pads competing at least at a low level of professional football. But, yeah, a lot of people were talking that nice little surprise there. He could be something. Right. Let's, uh, let's, let's kick it over to the, uh, to the offensive line now because uh, that was a few guys, including one who's been called up to the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about him. 
But uh, so let's talk about him first. Ole Udo from Elon and uh, Trey Pipkin from Sioux Falls, two small school offensive tackles. Uh, obviously, Udo was enough to catch the senior bull's eye to get called up. So what what about those two uh, did you see this week? Well, in both cases, Brian, part, part of the key is it's not hard to have them catch your eye uh, because they're so darn big. Um, Udo out of Elon does not look as big. Now, don't get me wrong. I know he could still squash me, but he does not look as big as some people I have seen body frame-wise. You know, he came in at 6'5 and 5'8, weighed 328 pounds. Um, and, yeah, he's he's big, 10-inch hands and 35 and and three-quarter-inch arms. Um, I think he absolutely held his own. He moved some people around, needless to say, because we have there are two very talented defensive line groups in this game this year, and I think a lot of them are going to be third-day draft selections. So he didn't have but they're all a little bit small. They're 285, 295, 6'3", instead of 6'5". So he really didn't have any, what's to say, he didn't have too many guys his own size to pick on or to be picked on. But he moved okay for a guy his size. No surprise here. They did play him some at guard as well as out at tackle. I think depending on... You know what what style you have, like Andy Reid with elephants on parade. He could maybe play tackle. I think he's just as likely to end up inside a guard. I don't see why, with his ability to run, which is good, and his size and his length, I don't see why he isn't drafted early on day three, and within a couple of years has a chance to start looking at him. I'm not saying he's got the skills. Who he reminds me of with his size and his ability and his gifts, Brian, is Jason Peters of the Eagles, the former okay. Arkansas a, tight end. Yeah. Well, well that'd, be a, that'd be a good career for him if that's the career he ends up having. Yes. Yes, that that's a, obviously that's a high projection. He's got that look about him. And as what about Trey Pipkins? Uh? Pipkins, I think, believe it or not, could be more ready to step in. He's a tackle, and he's got good feet. He also, obviously is long, not quite as long as Udo, but you know, he's he's got thirty four and a half inch arms. And he actually was a little bit lighter than we expected. Just under six six, three hundred and four pounds at the weigh in. Uh I would he he's practiced primarily at right tackle. I look at him and it strikes me that he could be I think he's gonna need a year to get his body NFL ready by his second year. I think you could stick him at right tackle and let him fight for a job. 
and within another year or two, if your team suddenly had a big need at left tackle, I'd give him a try because he sure looks athletic enough to me. I was surprised, Brian. He looks more advanced than I expected coming out of Sioux City College. Now, is that D2? As I'm not even really sure what Sioux Falls is. Um, I Is it D2 or is it D3? Um, I don't know. It, I'll it find cert- out. It certainly, is, it certainly is at least D2. You know, we are not talking, you know, 1-1-A, blah, 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 blah. It, but it might even be a, a level technically below that. Um, and in that sense, I think he is this year's um, – and he did he get a call up yet? No, right? No. The, no, just the uh, no. no. Okay. Uh, Pipkin, to me, would be – I expect today in the game, he'll be the nice surprise for the Shrine game like Parker was last year at the Senior Bowl from South Carolina State. So, based on their schedule, um, I just I just Googled them there. Based on their schedule, I'm calling them D2. Okay. Okay. That would make sense to me. Uh, let me mention, if you don't mind, let me throw in one Go other guy that – I liked, and I only I didn't really notice him playing last fall along the offensive line. Arkansas was a terrible team last year out on the field. Yeah. But I will tell I will tell you that from the first practice, the first one on one drill with the big uglies banging head, Brian Wallace was a monster this week. People, he. He literally, the only way I could describe it, Brian, he engulfed guys that were trying to pass rush on him. And he he could not be moved. You know, he was, he was once he locked on to somebody, he stopped moving his feet, which is normally not a good move. But they couldn't get him off balance. Nobody could. I didn't see him off balance once this week. I never saw him on the ground. And... He is, he is absolutely a big boy and a strong boy. Uh, Thirty-six inch long arms, ten and a half inch hands, six five and a half, three hundred seventeen pounds. Um, wingspan of eighty-four and five eighth inches, and he plays. He this week at least, Brian. He played that way. He moved people. I don't think I think he's one of the guys that the defensive lineman wanted to be assigned to rush against more than anybody else at this game. He dominated, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, from the little bit I, I did get to see of the one-on-ones, it looked like he had a he had a solid week. One more uh, one more offensive lineman I want to talk about because uh, probably he was probably the biggest name of the group. Uh, coming in was Martez Ivy from uh, Florida, former five-star recruit. Um, is, is the re- is the review from Paul as bad as I've heard from everybody else? Um, you know, I it, he wasn't terrible, and I will give him credit for being there and staying there. Um, but I think there were two problems for Martez Ivy, and, and they're both physical problems that I don't know how he deals with his body never filled out Brian from high school 
to going to Florida. He still, except for his gut, he still looks skinny. He's got a thin frame. He's really long, but he's not stout. And he plays that way. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind if he's got any chance at all. And, and let me back up. I'm sorry. I know for a fact, even though he didn't miss a, a full season or something like that, uh, I think both his knees are troublesome. He would he would miss more. He'd miss a couple games here, a couple games there for the Gators, and it was usually his knee his knee or knees were acting up. I got a funny feeling that he's not going to be drafted highly, if at all. He may have issues at the medical, in my opinion, um, and he may. I hope he's got a degree and another career in mind. And I'm not trying to be a wise guy. I feel for the kid, but he just he looks he looks more like a basketball player than he does a football player. Well, if he does play football, is he a guard or a tackle? He, I think he'd have to move inside. Um, I saw something unusual with him, Brian. I've seen it a few times when they were doing their one-on-one pass pro. There were a couple occasions where he jump tacking the guy he was supposed to block as if it was a running play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, again, because he doesn't, with those knees, I think it's because he knows that if he's got a backpedal, he's probably going to be beaten. So he's got to move inside. But then I think that that lean body is even more of an issue on the inside. Let's uh let's kick it over to the other side of the ball now. And uh, every year, Shrine Game brings in two, three Canadian Canadian college players every year. And almost every year, you have one ends up being an NFL success. You've had uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, David Onyemata, uh, last uh, the the tight end uh, whose name escapes me. I think he's still with Tampa Bay. Oh, Claire, Antonio, and Oh, Claire. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I believe he's still with Tampa anyway. My favorite. Don't forget my favorite, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Yes, yes, he's actually on his second contract, so so yeah, he might actually uh, him him and Akeem Hicks probably the two most successful. But this year, do we got another one? Uh, Laval Matthew Matthew Betts. Uh, This guy looks like he was killing every offensive lineman he went against in one on ones. My comment, Brian, was. Uh, and then I'll address some specifics. But my comment in print and to anybody that asked me, after two days of practices, he can play in the NFL, primarily a situational pass rusher because of his body and his frame. If he goes to the NFL, he's got a career, and he'll be a specialist. If he goes to the CFL, he'll be Pro Bowl every year for them. He's a good, hard-charging, high-energy, good quickness. He's got an inside swim move in addition to his outside swim move. He, he left some, some tackle blockers just grabbing at air because he started with an outside speed rush, and when they got a hold of him and started to slow him down, he just did beautiful inside spin move and straight to the quarterback. Yeah. 
he's the real deal that I have heard. Um, and obviously, with my editor being Canadian, we talk CFL and Canadian colleges a little bit. And there is talk up there. He could be the number one draft pick in the Canadian Football League college draft. He's good. Right. Yeah, he uh he looked he looked good this week. Uh had another defensive uh guy get the call up from the shrine to the senior bowl, Dalen Mack from Texas A and M. Uh, he was another highly recruited guy who didn't have tremendous success at, at the SEC level, but uh did he have a good week this week? Stud. Stud. And amazingly, the part the part that impressed me the most and, and you know this, Brian, you at least us amateur draft mix scouts tend to look at uh, not so much the productivity. Once they get to these games, you look at the style of play and what I look for with the big heavy defensive lineman, excuse me. And he certainly is a hole plugger. He weighed in by the way. And I know you've got these numbers, but for your listeners, six foot one, even, 335 pounds. He is he is so thick. And that includes a belly and a big butt. Um from the midsection down, he is to borrow a Jethro Tull title, he's thick as a brick. Um but the surprising <laughs> and, and and you know some of his other numbers, again he's only six foot one. He had ten and a quarter inch hands, Brian. I mean, I saw him just throw some people out of his way. Not long arms, which makes sense, just under thirty two inches, but that makes sense if you're playing inside on the nose or defensive tackle. Um he is he is, is, is he gonna be the kind of guy that's gonna go to the combine and throw up about thirty five, thirty six on the two twenty five? Oh, I would guess so with the shorter arms. I would think he would. Mm-hmm. Now, now maybe he won't because, you know, again, he, you know, he he might be one of these kids that has always gotten by on talent and hasn't worked hard. I don't know. Um, I didn't hear any problems about him down in St. Pete. I think he gets drafted. How high he gets drafted, you just touched on it. It depends on what he does in mobile next week. And then it's going to depend on what he can do with the combine. I don't see how now I don't see how you don't invite a guy like this to the combine. Yeah. I have a funny feeling this year, Brian, we might have some very interesting discussions within the draft community (laughs) about some of the guys that do go to the combine and some that don't get invited. Um, But I think Mac is the big deal and watching them in some of the defensive line drills where they do the bag bag drills and combine mm-hmm. it with the footwork for a guy that's six one three thirty plus he's almost light on his feet. I know that sounds ridiculous, but he moved his feet better than half the other defensive linemen that all weighed about two ninety i i think I think there's something special here. Obviously, interviews are going to be important, because and and visits and conversations with Kevin Sumlin's staff are going to be important, because somebody's 
the the big question I think is going to be, okay, we got to get inside this guy's head a little bit because why wasn't he better in his college career, given the potential we all saw in high school as a five-star recruit and what he's done now that somebody's flashing a contract and money in front of him. Um, what was the deal for four years at Texas A&M? Well, but he, well another, he another story for another. Yeah. 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 Another story for another day would be how, how did all these five-star recruits go to Texas A&M and they not be any good? You know, we could talk about Kevin Sumlin all day long, but we won't. Uh, we won't I do want to touch on <laughs> – I do want – I do want to touch on because they're terrible at the sport of football, but they had a couple of guys there at the Shrine game this week that I think we need to touch on. The Kansas Jayhawk uh, contingent of uh, Daniel Wise and Joe Deneen Jr. Uh, talk to me about those guys, especially Daniel Wise. Daniel Wise was monster, and, boy, he was working his – can we say it? Can I say it? He was working his yep. ass off, Brian, all week long. Um, and I don't know if there, how many of your listeners – know this, but he is the younger brother of Dietrich Wise out of Arkansas, who's with the Patriots now. And he's not as he's not as physically long and gifted as his brother, but boy, was, was he solid hardworking all week. Absolutely. He played some at end. He played some inside at tackle. And he was a B-I-T, you know what, to block for a lot of these big guys. And the catch is going to be he's playing at 283 right now. Okay. I may like his game, but he ain't Aaron Donald. So the question – and he ain't Ed Oliver. So the question becomes how much can he put on? And he's only 6'2 and a half. So I I think what we had here, we had a lot of guys like him at the Shrine this year along the defensive line, Brian, and I think what we've got, and I think it'll work out for most of them, we got a lot of guys that are not position-specific, you know, like Broughton out of Cincinnati had a really mm-hmm. good week, and he's only 6'2 as well, and mm-hmm. but he can pass rush a little bit. I think Wise leads a pack of guys that are going to be drafted – on day three, maybe starting in round, you know, rounds five through seven. And they are going to fit on defensive schemes that use a defensive line rotation. And they're not expected to be out on the field for a gazillion snaps, which I think is insane anyway, but that's another discussion for another day. Um, I think a lot of them are going to get drafted late middle to late rounds, and I think a lot of them are going to make NFL teams. And, again, Daniel Wise was one of the hardest-working guys. He came in, uh, chip, you know, chip on the shoulder, something to prove, and I think he proved it. He's got talent, and now it becomes a matter of finding a fit and seeing if you can reshape him just a little bit without taking away his speed. I love the fact that he's got 10 and three eighth inch hands. And I think that helped <laughs> him to, to move around some of those offensive linemen. 
All right, I'm going to touch on three linebackers here because I really like these okay. guys in oh, different wait, yeah. ways you, a lot. You asked me about Deneen. I'm sorry. It, um, it, it's fine. We, we, we can talk about that. Okay. Okay, uh, go ahead. But you go ahead, then. He was added to the Shrine game late, but in, he, he was originally listed on the NFLPA roster. He was one of the guys I thought were the ten best players there. So, obviously, I thought he was going to be a good player here, and I think he may have been. Sione Taki Taki from BYU. Love this guy. I love him, too. But I think he was a bit disoriented having made the switch and catching the flight all the way from the West Coast to the right coast. Um, I did not see him making a lot of plays catch my eye once the whistle blew and they were doing some of the drills and some of the scrimmage work. But by the same token, Brian, I'm going to confess, I think from my eyes, this is just me, because I'll bet you there's some people that would give you a two-page breakdown on what Taki Taki did. At these all-star games with – what I see these guys being asked to do and how they're worked out at practices, the two positions I have the hardest time getting any kind of read on are the running backs on offense and the mm-hmm. linebackers on defense. <laughs> and so I'm sorry to say, I don't know what to tell you about Taki Taki. I'm not saying he was terrible. He just didn't do anything to catch my eye. I'll tell you what surprised me. You see if he was on your list. Uh, I thought Khalil Hodge was probably yes, the highest linebacker here. Yeah, yeah. Well, he weighed he weighed 255 pounds, and he was incredibly. I'll I'll be nice and I'll say thick from the leg from the waist down, um, and I thought he moved like a guy was playing 10 to 15 pounds above his college playing weight. He, he's got to go performance mm-hmm. camp, get his weight and conditioning in shape for the combine because he was mediocre this week. He, In fact, he I had never heard what the problem was. He, did, he was not there to participate in Tuesday's practices. Hmm. So the, uh, he wasn't the, the other guy. linebacker but I wanted to touch on. on Wednesday. Well, yes, sir. It was another Mac linebacker, Ulysses Gilbert from Akron. I know he's a bit undersized, but I I like him a lot too in in differing ways than Khalil Hodge. Yeah, I'll tell you what. He was hard to miss because he uh, he clearly was the fastest linebacker down there. I think what we're looking at with him is sixth or seventh round. I think I think he'll get drafted. The size will, you know, what he what he shows at the combine will have a lot to say about that. Um, clearly, he will be immediately a special teams player on every special teams unit you have. So, um, you know, that automatically tells me just on that alone, and the fact that he'll be making rookie money, he'll be on an NFL roster at the bottom mm-hmm. of, you know, the bottom three or four players. And then it's up to him to find something that he excels at besides special teams. 
And clearly in today's NFL, if if maybe even drop a, a few drop drop a few pounds, he might be potentially that hybrid strong safety nickel linebacker kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But it'll be a work in progress. But he was absolutely athletic all over the place. Yeah, our uh, our good buddy Joe Everett was telling me about him three uh, three years ago. Well, when he was a sophomore, said this was a guy that okay. was going to be a, a, a good good player. Um, probably my favorite player at the Shrine Game, and I've been I've, I've been talking about this guy for three months now to you and anybody who'll listen. Blaze Brown, the corner from Troy. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's going to be my highest rated player in this game. Uh, when it's all said and done, I have no doubts. I think he has a solid chance to be third round, maybe even second round when the draft rolls around. Yeah, he's he's got nice size for the position he plays. The only thing that I did notice, but this doesn't surprise me, coming coming out of Troy, which by the way I consider to be DBU uh, along with Florida. Um, they certainly seem to figure out a way to get the right people at six feet 192 195 to me that's almost perfect for a cover corner and man he is a press corner um he he lined up so close to the to the wide receivers most of the time he could probably tell you what they ate for lunch because he he's <laughs> so close he can smell their breath and he has no fear that somebody's going to blow past him and beat him deep. None at all. Uh, which, obviously, as we know, that's a big deal. The only thing I saw, I'm not surprised by this, and there's a lot of it in the NFL, but rookies usually don't get away with it. He's a, he really likes, as the receiver makes his break, he really likes to grab hold of the back of the jersey mm-hmm. with one hand and stay in contact and maybe slow the guy down just a tad coming out of his break. Um, you know, you know the game, Brian. As a rookie, he won't get any respect from the referees. He won't get that if call. If they pick – He won't get – No, he – you know, he's going to get called for P.I. and holding. So it, it's a matter of – but let's face it. Most guys coming out of college, if they're cover corners, they grab a lot. I mean, that, that's so typical. I think he can get past it. He doesn't do it all the time. I think his confidence, his athleticism, he absolutely says, you know, it all says starter in the NFL. Maybe even early if somebody gets hurt. All right. And you're uh, right. I think he, because he I, could be the first guy taken out of this, this group. Because I know you, you love to talk about it. Tell me about the, 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 kit, the specialist this week. Oh man, some good ones. The boys that the boys next week at the Senior Bowl are going to have to go some. Um, the 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 biggest treat was with the place kicker from Utah. Coincidentally, the punter from Utah will be at the Senior Bowl next week. Uh, Matthew Gay. I think he's. I'm trying to remember how how big Sebastian Janikowski was coming out of 
college at FSU. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's quite that big, but Matthew Gay is six feet, 232 pounds. (laughs) And, and And he looks it. And, but he can absolutely explode the ball and extremely accurate. Anybody that follows college ball in the Pac-12 knows that a big part of the success, and, and we don't often say this in today's football, a lot of success that Utah had to do with, they had perhaps the best kicker in college football last season and perhaps the best punter in college football. Um, on the Tuesday practice, Gay was perfect. They were moving him back five yards a shot. He was perfect till he got past 45 yards. Then he missed one. And then he made the next three from 50, 52. For his last three kicks, they let him tee it up or the holder at 63 yards to see if he could kick a Tom Dempsey field goal. He went 0 for 3. The last one was dead <laughs> on, but maybe maybe three yards shy of clearing the crossbar. And he was cussing at himself walking off the field. Um, <laughs> he's, competitive, he's competitive as heck. I'll just say that with his accuracy and his leg strength, this is uncommon. I don't think anybody in today's NFL is crazy enough to draft him in round one. Al Davis is dead. Of course, John Gruden's back there, so you, you never know. Um, but I think he will be the first guy taken as far as punters, kickers, long snappers. And I would guess he's going to have a long NFL career because the nice part is he's also going to put every kick in the end zone, every kickoff. Uh, punter was a nice surprise down here because uh, I had never paid any attention at all. Jack Fox from Rice, a nice 6'2", 220-plus pound, uh, looked like a good athlete. Um, he was kicking him 40, 40 to 50 yards most of the time. He's got an interesting spin on the ball. It's kind of an angled spin. He's really good at directional punting inside the 20. And his hang time ranged from 4.5 up to 5.4. Good-looking punter. So we'll see how the guys do at the Senior Bowl to comp up. And, yes, I'll be right over there. And, by the way, Brian, don't pass out here because you've got to take care of your board and finish the show up. Don't pass out. I finally, by Tuesday, I left the pigskin Paul stopwatch in the bottom of my backpack, <laughs> and I used my smartphone to time the punts. Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs> can you even buy a stopwatch anymore? I mean, oh, yeah. is that still a thing oh, yeah. you can purchase? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but. Not very many places. How about if I put it that we between Fitbit and you know smartphones and probably a few dozen other things I'm not aware of. No, I still like the feel of it in my hand though. So I'll probably use it one day at the Senior Bowl and then I'll switch over back to the smartphone. Paul, last question: If it's not Blaze Brown, who's going to be the highest drafted player from this game? Um. 
I, you know, I, I think we got a chance on a few guys, and probably some of the guys I think it should be aren't going to be the guys. Um, I think the second, again, based on performance only, um, I'm not smart enough to figure out exactly what a lot of these scouts are looking for and how they evaluate it. I think the, I think the next guy to go was the best-looking physical specimen in the secondary, and that would be Michael Jackson, the cornerback from Miami. Um, he he looks he looks he looks a lot like Richard Sherman on the corner. Six one two zero five, runs real smooth. And he got beat a couple times, but uh, nothing nothing to worry about. I think he would be another guy that has first three rounds, late second, third round potential. So that that would be my pick. Well, Paul, uh, I don't know if this is an omen for Senior Bowl, new Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy, but this looks like the first time in about six years we're going to have – we're looking at not so good weather for the uh, Senior Bowl practices. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 40% chance of rain Tuesday, 90% chance Wednesday, 50% chance Thursday. Not ideal unless you – I guess you want to see the quarterbacks throw with a wet ball. It's probably going to happen. Uh, yeah, and that, now you know this better than I. I think the biggest – well, it's no fun to be out in 50 or less degree weather and getting wet. But at least – tell me, Brian, at least – we're not going to have to worry about thunderstorms, are we? To because that's when they'll cancel the practices, it, obviously. It, uh, but it doesn't look like we're going to have to worry about the thunderstorms. Uh, it looks like it's uh, okay. let's see, Tuesday, cloud, cloudy early with showers. Uh, let's see, Wednesday, thunder, sh- oh, no, thunder showers on Wednesday. Wednesday might be a not okay. a good day. Well, then I'll tell you what. You tell your buddy Jim Nagy. He's got the inside track, folks. Brian's been working on Nagy already. You tell Jim, start making phone calls, and instead of calling up players from the Shrine game, concentrate on moving all the Friday walkthroughs and (laughs) school visits to Wednesday, and let's make Friday a padded practice day. Okay? You work on that with Jim. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not going to happen. Paul, Hey, thanks yeah, for uh, thanks for taking the time out today, and uh, we're talking. We talked some Shrine game here. It was good good hearing about all that happened down there this week. And uh, I'll see you on Tuesday, oh, probably Monday after. I'll probably see you Monday afternoon. Yeah, because you come after work to pick up your stuff, and I get in late. So yes, I'll see you in beautiful Mobile on Monday when it will still be good weather, and uh, we'll have some fun next week. Thank you for having me, Brian. As always. Folks, I hope you appreciate this local guy out of Mobile. He knows what he's talking about, and he works hard. So give him your support. You take care, Mr. Brian. I appreciate that, Paul. Thanks a lot. That was Pigskin Paul Gilmud of the uh, Great Blue North Report. You can find all of his uh, writings from the Shrine Game this week at gbnreport.com. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft. Uh, find everything, uh, all of my Shrine game coverage that I had before the game uh, and all of my Senior Bowl coverage, of which I've been wall-to-wall with Senior Bowl coverage, at deepfrieddraft.com. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.